Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Okay, good evening. Welcome to our Tuesday night Torah class. I'm glad you guys came out. Um, welcome all our people that are watching online. Let me open in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for the nice weather we're having. Finally, it's warm weather. Um, I just thank you for this group of people that found time in their schedules to come out and study your Torah. I'd ask that you'd bless us this evening in our conversation, that you'd, uh, you'd work in each of our hearts that we might come away with some new understanding of you, some new appreciation for your Torah, and just some new excitement about uh, what it means to be um, in covenant with you. In Yahushua's name, amen. <clears throat> okay, you know me. I always like to go and kind of do a little review. Last week, I got excited about... Um, Let's see, my slides aren't showing, so let me go fix that, just a second. Well, why is that? Okay, here. Do you have it on? Why that? Why is that even on? There we go. Okay. <clears throat> last time, last week, I went and collected a bunch of pictures off the internet because they make it so easy. And we had gone through. Let's see. To review where we are, Moses is up on top of Mount Sinai. Um, in this big cloud of fire and smoke and everything. And <clears throat> he's, beg your pardon? Never, well, the people end up thinking that. Um, but God is telling him, God is showing him, uh, build it according to the pattern that I show you. He is telling him what it is that he wants Moses and the Israelites to build. And he started off with, I want you to build this ark, the ark of the covenant, Right? Uh, that's the thing that Indiana Jones was chasing around looking for. Um, so we got a couple pictures. Great, got a question already. Well, I, I did have a, I was actually thinking about this uh, either today or yesterday, how Moses, just what you said there, he had to follow the pattern that Yahweh gave to him. Yes. And I don't think that's an easy thing to do no. because I work with plans all day long and I'm continually looking back to make sure I got it right. So, yeah, I agree. He, uh, he probably uh, he had a lot of uh, I think a lot of pressure on him. And uh, but I was thinking for us today, it's like all the heavy lifting's already been done. Yeah, you know. Yeah, with the giving of the law and the writing it and the no. making of the tabernacle and all that stuff. Yep. 
Yeah, you're right. And one, one of the things that I thought whenever you were saying that was that that's probably why it took 40 days. I mean, he was up there. And also another thing that that leads into is this is just the pattern that Moses is being shown. This, this draws out even longer because then he's got to go back and he's got to enlist the help of everybody to do it, and they have to do it. And I imagine in my own head where, you know, these guys, these, these artisans that uh, God has endowed with certain skills, <coughs> they come to him with this, and he says, no, 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 that's not quite right. Needs to be a little bit more this way and have a little bit bigger that way, and those need to be up here kind of a thing. So I bet there was a fair amount of messing around to get it exactly the way he wanted it. Yeah, Joe? <coughs> yeah, I don't think uh, he built it himself. God gave him the plan to build it, and yeah. others, uh, uh, you know, it's like the supervisor saying, you know, this is what God wants, and yeah. uh, so yeah. ahead and build it. Absolutely. We're going to talk in some detail about who, who it was that actually did the building, and it wasn't him. You're right. Anyway, by the way, I forgot to include this. This was in chapter, oh, I think, 25 and 26. But anyway, there's the ark, and the next item was the table of showbread that sits over to the river. The ark sits by itself back behind this veil in a place called the Holy of Holies. Then this is uh, various different renditions of what the table of showbread might, look, might have looked like. And then across from it on the left, on the south side, is the menorah, <clears throat> which was made out of uh, 75 pounds of gold. And this is the tent, um, the tabernacle. Okay, we've got another question. Good. No, uh, what's awesome about the menorah is that it was made out of solid gold, and to this day they've tried to replicate it, and they still don't have the technique down that was done back then because gold will collapse on itself because it's a softer so metal. So soft, yeah. And so they still haven't been able to get an exact that's interesting. Uh, of it. Yeah, that's interesting. I believe that. This is the, uh, the structure <clears throat> that actually housed, this is the tabernacle structure, if you will. Oops. And one of the things I was going to show, we talked about what it was covered with, and I remember pointing out that it was a, uh, a real heavy thing. It, it's composed of all these planks. has three walls that are planks, and each of those planks is like, I think like 16 or 18 feet tall, and they're covered with gold. They're wooden planks, but they're covered with gold, and they sit in these sockets along the bottom, and they all fit as one structure. It's really a kind of a cool deal. And then they, they spread these various different fabrics across the top. And this is the layout. Back here is this thing called the Holy of Holy. The entrance is up here. And then so the Ark of the Covenant would have sat back here. The uh, Table of Showbread would have been over here. And the menorah would have been here. This is all review. And that's kind of, there it is. That's a better picture of it. Then there's an altar out front. This is the, all, the burnt offering altar. This is bronze. It's a big kind of a barbecue pit, the way I look at it. And it, you know, you'd think it'd be real, real heavy, but it's basically a hollow thing. It, uh, oops, it's, this is just a box with no bottom in it. It's got a grate in there. And so you'd stack a bunch of wood on it and get a good fire and then throw whatever it is you're, you're offering on top of the fire. And the ashes would fall down through the grate. Here's one that was built that you know, theoretically, I'm, I think the thing, this is not the, the neatest looking one you've ever seen, but the thing that's good about it is it has the proper dimensions. But I'm sure it looked a lot nicer than that. But here's a couple of other pictures of it. 
This is what it looked like when it was all set up. When we ended last time, they were talking about the courtyard. This courtyard is like old, uh, who was it? Christo's running fence. Does anybody remember you know, who Christo is? Christo is this artist. He's still around. He does all this weird stuff. Like he, he uh, I don't know why I'm even in this, but he, uh, oh, he wrapped a whole bunch of, of some coast in Australia with red fabric, and he, he built a fence that went from Sonoma, California, down to San Francisco, and it was a white fence. It looked just like this, and it went for like 45, 60 miles, something like that. I remember I went out to see it. I was pretty excited about that. He did a lot of weird things, this crystal. But anyway, that's beside the point. So today, we're moving right along. We ended up at the end of the parashah number 20. Yeah. I had a question if you had seen this person's um, rendition of what when he went through the dimensions of the tent of meeting. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard about that. Now, <clears throat> I'm not, it's not the first time he has a round one. Uh, maybe. The, the reason that I, I struggle with that is because the east and west and north and south are so critical to this whole thing. It is always set up so that the, it faces east. Like at this, this direction here is east. Always, no matter where they are, whenever they set it up, that's east. And so they, and the stuff sits on the north side, the south side, and the west side. And all the tribes have camp locations that are set out in the book of Numbers that are on the east side, the south side, or the west side. Now, there's nothing that says a round structure can't have that as well. But, uh, you know, the, whenever we were talking about the planks and stuff, the planks were all set, you know, set, they talked about the corners. So it could be, I'm, you know, I don't like, it's not like I know everything, but I have a hard time with it not being the shape that they said it was. Yeah. Well, I find that that's so important, a good example. <clears throat> that's why it's so critical that compasses are square. <laughs> compasses aren't square. Are you well, being they facetious? have to be to show the directions. Beg your pardon? They have to be square to show the directions. They can't be round. No, that's not true. <laughs> but it's giving you a hard time. I, good, that's fine. But you do read, I mean, they did talk about the corners, the corners in the, in the tabernacle. So, and they talked about, you know, this, this uh, west wall is half the length of the south and the north wall. They talked about that. So, um, so I, I had listened to a presentation and it made sense to me. I kind of didn't think it was important for me to understand at the time. And maybe that's how you've kind of looked at it mm -hmm. too. But one of the things was is that they had to change some of the dimensions and something about it, having it so that the material had to be cut when it shouldn't have been. And it says specifically not to, and then this makes it so that you have to, or something like that. I don't know if you got into that or no. read that. No. So then, it, you know, I'm just, it, it would matter, you know, and so maybe at some point we should look into it deeper, but I just wondered why you didn't present that up there too as an well, option. Well, again, uh, to me, <clears throat> As I read it, I think, you know, you can reflect back on the discussion we had last week. It definitely talked about the north wall and the, the south wall and the west wall and the lengths thereof. And, and it talked about the two different uh, rooms, the holy place and the holy of holies and what size they were and all of that. And so I don't see how you could do that except by rectangular measure. That's just me. But, you know, yeah. Okay, uh, that there, uh, a circle doesn't have points. And, well, uh, that, you know, in geometry, 
is uh, the four points, uh, four on this side and four on the other side. And uh, I was thinking about uh, when God created the heavens and the earth, the uh, summer, spring, the seasons, everything is in four. So it could be uh, some tie-in to that, uh, a four. Could be. Yeah. It's, it's okay. You can go off and do that. There's nothing wrong with that. To me, it was just this is the more obvious. I guess, how can I put it? I try to restrict my own, in my own thinking, from going too far afield, just, just cause. Um, the, what, that way there is west. North is, is this direction. South is that direction, and east is this direction. Just judging from the Can shadows. You tell, are you suggesting the sun's over here? No, I'm just looking at the shadows. If it's evening time, then oh, yeah, the shadows would, are all facing. West would be yeah, yeah, to the top. Yeah, the sun is setting in the west. Very good. There's an artist for you. I never noticed that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Okay. Oh, so go ahead. I don't think that could be from the sun as much as the... The, this the, the, glow the, right there? Yeah. Yeah, that could be. That yeah. Could be. I, I Just know. saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, is, this is not an actual photograph. Now, I should point that out because I do have an actual photograph of the Tower of Babel, but that's not this. So. An image? Okay, it's an image. Okay. <clears throat> Meanwhile, so that catches us up with where we were last week. We ended up uh, the end of the 20th parashah, and, or I should say the 19th parashah. So now we're in parashah 20, which is called uh, Tetzavah, which means you are to order. And it starts in chapter 27, Exodus chapter 27, uh, starting in verse, get out the glasses, 20. <laughs> Would someone like to, this is, I'll do it. I'm going to read, the, there's only just a couple of verses left in, in chapter 27. I'll just read it. And it doesn't have much to say and we'll move on. So uh, Exodus 27, starting in verse 20, says, God speaking to Moses said, Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning. In the tent of meeting outside the curtain, that is in front of the testimony. Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning before Yahweh from evening till morning. This is to be a lasting ordinance among the Israelites for the generations to come. So, <clears throat> now what would, uh, pressed, it says, what's the oil to be made of? Pressed, it's pressed olive oil. Now, just FYI, there's a difference between pressed olive oil and crushed olive oil. Do you know what the difference is? You can imagine it. Yeah. It's almost like extra virgin olive oil, which is the first press. Yep. That, that, that's essentially right. Pressed olive oil, in some sense, if the olives are nice and ripe, you don't even have to press them. They just kind of drip. But the, if you press them, it's not, a, it's not crushing because crushing... Uh, breaks the, the meat up, and it ends up being cloudy. So pressed olive oil is clear. Crushed olive oil is cloudy from the part, particles that get in there. Just FYI. 
<clears throat> so what was the light for? Or what was the oil for? The menorah. But no, the menorah. And the yeah. menorah, how, um, when did, uh, yeah, when did, when was it turned on? Only at night? Uh, 24-7. 24-7. Because yeah. it was dark in there whether it was noon outside or not. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, there's a life-size model <clears throat> of, the, of the tabernacle in the wilderness in Arkansas. I forget what the name of the little town is. But um, they said that, they said there that the olives for the temple were just sat there yeah. and just dripped. Yeah. They weren't even, they weren't even crushed. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I think... <laughs> or, the, or pressed. They weren't even pressed. I think, uh, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. and you're probably right. The point was, and, and it uses the word here, clear oil. If you get to messing with the olive much to get the oil out of it, yeah. it's not clear anymore. Yeah. So we have a right. we have a very nice olive um, mill. Rest, restaurant mill up yeah. here on I forget where. Well, it's down near. It's south east of um, Queen Creek. Yeah. 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 It's called the Queen Creek. I think it's called. <laughs> Maybe it is Queen Creek Olive yeah. Mill, yeah. something like that. Yeah. That's a fun place to go. Yeah. yeah. And they give and, you a tour, and you can go around. They don't. And it yeah. shows the whole process, so yeah. you can get and, an and, idea of what they explain the difference between uh -huh. extra virgin olive oil and virgin olive oil, and just plain yeah. old olive oil. Well, and I think I think so. I think too. Some of the cheaper olive oil now is is um, um, heated. Yeah. Towards well, instead of just being cold pressed yep. or cold pr crushed. The, the more effort you put in getting yeah. the oil out, the lower quality oil. Yeah. Is bottom line. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, does anybody here know if if the crushed? It seems like the, in the crushing process you would have some heat involved in. Some sometimes yeah. they do. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. <clears throat> On the olive oil, if they were uh, crushed, they wouldn't be the. The suitable oil for the burning of it, cause there would be inferior uh, prophecies or pro uh, inferior stuff in the oil. So yeah, yeah. there had to be a pure oil yep. in order for it to burn properly. Yep, yep. Of course, now what we have, I don't, I haven't been talking about this, but it's, maybe we'll just save this and talk about it later. Yeah, never mind. Let's go on. Let's, uh, did you have anything? No. Okay. Let's go to chapter 28. Would somebody like to read chapter 28? How far we want to read? Well, just the first. Actually, through verse 14. Chapter 28, the beginning through verse 14. And you bring near Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel for serving as priests to me, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron. And you shall make set-apart garments for Aaron your brother for esteem and for comeliness. And you speak to all the wise of heart whom I have filled with a spirit of wisdom, and they shall make the garments of Aaron to set him apart for him to serve as priest to me. And these are the garments which they make, a breastplate, a shoulder garment, a robe, an embroidered long shirt, a turban, and a girdle. And they shall make set-apart garments for Aaron your brother and his sons, for him to serve as priest to me. And they shall take the gold and the blue and the purple 
and the scarlet material and the fine linen, and shall make the shoulder garment of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet material, and fine woven linen, the work of a skilled workman. It is to have two shoulder pieces joined at its two edges, and so it is joined together. And the embroidered band of the shoulder garment which is on it is of the same workmanship, made of gold, of blue and purple, and scarlet material, and fine woven linen. And you shall take two shoham stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone, and the remaining six names on the other stone, according to their birth. With the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel, set them in settings of gold. And you shall put the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the shoulder garment as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before Yahweh on his two shoulders for remembrance. And you shall make settings of gold and two chains of clean gold like braided cords and fasten the braided chains to the settings. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we'll get into detail, but first of all, who, um, who did God... God designate to serve as priests. It says right in the beginning. Yep. You, Aaron. Go ahead. Aaron and his sons. Aaron and his sons. How many sons did he have? Uh, At this point, four. Yeah, four, right? Yep. Yeah. Nadab, Abihu, uh, Eliezer. Oh, I see. I'm on the wrong page. Ithamar. Ithamar. I just forgot. Yeah. So <clears throat> Aaron and his four sons are to serve as priests. And God says you're to make sacred garments. And here's what it looks like. Now, the, the thing he's describing first is Aaron's garment. Aaron is to be the high priest. In Hebrew, that's... Uh, Kohen, Kohen means priest. So whenever you meet some guy around the, you know, the government seems to have a lot of Kohens in it. There's some Kohens that are comedians too. But anyway, the word Kohen is the Hebrew word for priest. And Haggadol, Haggadol is high. It's the high. So Kohen Haggadol is priest the high. And if you, if you messed around with your Hebrew, you'd be able to read that. That says Kohen Haggadol. And that says, big day, which is garments. So that's garments of the high priest is what that is. John. I was just going to mention another Cohen. Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen, yeah. yeah. Trump's lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, anyway, so what was described was this first thing. Now, what um, uh, the, the thing that was the words that Mike used was, was it shoulder garment? Uh, yeah, shoulder garment. Shoulder garment. What he was describing was the thing called the ephod. The ephod. And the ephod is this uh, highly um, woven thing here around the middle. Okay? Um, and it, it said, what was it made of? It said it was made of uh, uh, gold and then um, red, blue, and purple yarn. So that's all woven together in a kind of a tapestry-like thing, so it's probably a pretty thick thing. Joe? 
Yeah, yeah. What was the purpose of uh, being dressed like that? What purpose did it serve? Well, it says here, it says, um, make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. The words you used were different. Can you find them? Esteem and comeliness. So, um, the, that's, that, well, there are other reasons that you'll find that they made them this way, but that's primarily to make them stand out, to make them look distinguished and important, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, John? Well, I hadn't noticed this till now, but they have the six names, because I know I was, I was, why do they have six names? There's, there's the breastplate has three by four, but that's on the shoulder he's got. Six names of one, one set of the, uh, of the tribes, and six names, the other remaining six are on the other shoulder. Yeah. Let's so talk about it, that. Go ahead. Well, what does that remind what's the What's the word for shoulder? Um, Shechem. Shechem. And that's where they do the, the blessing and the curses, right? That's right. That's very good. Very good. But those stones um, were made of onyx. The word onyx is, is often mistranslated, so... Nobody's for sure, but most people think that word was onyx. And the name in Hebrew is shoham, shoham stones. And so there were two stones, an onyx stone up here and an onyx stone down there. And what's on each of them? Engraved on each of them is six names of Jacob's sons, right? And in the order of their birth. Now this this is just me. This is my own private little rabbit trail. But um, is Ephraim and Manasseh named on those stones? No, I don't think so because it says the sons of Joseph, uh, Jacob in order of their birth. So Joseph would be on the stones and Levi would be on the stones, but uh, Ephraim and Manasseh would not be. On the other hand, we haven't gotten there yet, but this thing down here is called the breastplate, and it's got 12 stones in it. Now, those 12 stones are for the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, the 12 tribes of Israel do include Ephraim and Manasseh, but don't include Joseph. Just something for you to think about. Who's uh, left out? Um, Ephraim, I'd say Joseph is left out, and then and Levi. Levi? Levi. Um, anyway, let's talk more about this ephod. The ephod is a, I've often called it a, an apron kind of a thing. It goes, kind of goes over, over your shoulders, and there's this, these two shoulder pieces, and then do you see these things down here that hold the, the big piece that goes around the middle? Do you know, it said what those are made of, do you remember? Gold, yeah. So there's kind of like a rope gold rope that goes down from the shoulders down and holds this, and I think they, it's all part of the ephod. It's kind of a, a wide cummerbund looking affair. Okay, let me see what else I want to tell you about that. So what does uh, the high priest bear on his shoulders as he goes to minister before God? the 12 tribes of Israel, or the, the 12 sons of Israel, we should say. So he, he represents Israel to God, and he gets instructions from God and gives them to Israel. So that's, 
That's the function of a priest, is to be the, the intermediary between God and the people. Can we back up? Yes, please. The, the, you said Ephraim and Manasseh are on? Well, this is me. Like I say, it's my own private rabbit trail. Based on the description, it goes on here. I'm in verse 9. It says, Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth. Okay, to me... That's birth ten, verse 10 of mine, but whatever. Okay, well, verse 10 says in the order of their birth, yeah. Six names on one stone and the remaining six on another. The point is, is to me, that is not the tribes because that list, the sons of Israel, would include Joseph, but it would not necessarily include Ephraim and Manasseh. Well, he, he adopted them. I know that, but well, he, he, they weren't they weren't born to him. Yeah, they're not even then. You know, they're, there's they're nowhere to be found. At this well, not on the shoulder. No, I've seen in time. There's nowhere to there. There, nobody knows about Ephraim and Manasseh when they're designing. The breastplate. Yes, they do. Because Genesis chapter 50 already occurred by the time we get here. Oh, did never you, mind. You got a little, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <clears throat> what, makes, what makes me say what? That Ephraim and Manasseh are in the... Like the, I say, we're not really down here. These stones down here represent the tribes. Now, the tribes include Ephraim and Manasseh, but they don't include Joseph because Ephraim and Manasseh are Joseph. You remember when, when um, Jacob adopted Ephraim and Manasseh as his own, he was basically giving Joseph a double blessing, right? Because Joseph got two heirs. It's got something. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. Let Joe go first. What's the purpose of the golden bells and the pomegranate? We're getting there. Down We're there getting the, there. You're the, not there yet. The tail so end of that. Just and I know uh, I know uh, it wasn't cotton. It was linen. Yes. So it had to be something. Yeah, they, none of this is cotton. That's true. Or uh, none of it was uh, permanent press sprinkle free. Yes. I'm still wondering what what verse are you are you saying that. It's the tribes of Israel. Well, we right? haven't gotten there yet. That's the breastplate. Oh. Oh, I, I, I get I after Joe all the time Jerry, for that, Jerry don't I? jumped ahead of us. Yeah. I'm kind of jumping ahead, too. Okay, that's all right. But in, uh, in the translation I have, it, it says the sons of Israel, the 12 according to their names, for the breastplate. So I don't know. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think I said that's why this is my own private little rabbit trail. It could be a translation yep. discrepancy. Yep. It could so be. It could the, be. I think the best way to to validate true or false would be to look in the original language. Yeah. I have never been able to resolve it really thoroughly to myself. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not we're not there yet. Oh, cool. It does say for the twelve tribes, so you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. We go, we're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hold the mic. Okay, for a we're minute. going to go ahead and read on since we're since since we should be there. Would somebody like to read from verse 15 through verse uh, what does it look like? 30, 15 through 30. Only 15 verses. Who wants to read 15 verses?
Okay. Um, Exodus 28, 15 through 30. And you shall make a breastplate of right ruling, a work of, of a skilled workman, like the work of the shoulder garment. Make it of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet material, and fine woven linen. It is square, doubled, a span its length and a span its width. And you shall put it, and you should put settings of stones in it, four, four rows of stones. The first row is a ruby, a topaz, and an emerald. And the second row is a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row is a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. The fourth row is a barrel, and a shoham, and a jasper. They are set in gold settings. And the stones are according to the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, each one with its own name, for the twelve tribes. And you shall make braided chains of corded word work for the breastplate at the end of clean gold. And you shall make two rings of gold for the breastplate, and shall put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And you shall put the two cords of the gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate, and the other two ends of the two cords you fasten to the two settings and put them on the shoulder pieces of the shoulder garment in the front. And you shall make two rings of gold and shall put them on the two ends of the breastplate on the edge of it, which is on the inner side of the shoulder garment. And you shall make two rings of gold and put them on the two shoulder pieces underneath the shoulder garment on the front of it, close to the seam above the embroidered band of the shoulder garment. And they bind the breastplate by means of its rings to the rings of the shoulder garment using a blue cord so that it is above the embroidered band of the shoulder garment so that the breastplate does not come loose from the shoulder garment. And Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of right ruling over his heart where he goes when he goes into the set-apart place for a remembrance before Yahweh continually and into the breastplate of right ruling, you should put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on the heart of Aaron when he goes in before Yahweh. And Aaron shall bear the right ruling of the children of Israel on his heart before Yahweh continually. Okay. <clears throat> We're bound to have some interesting discussion on this. So I heard in two places it say in the sons of Israel in uh, 21 and uh, 29, bearing yeah. the names. And yep. that's all in correlation with the description of the breastplate. So it very well could be uh, the stones with the names versus just the writing of the names on the shoulders. Now, so that's, that's kind of... Fit with the 12 both yeah. ways. That's kind of my thought, but it's... I can't find a real definite answer to that, and I. I'm not trying to come against. No, no, no. That's I'm okay. I, I would not be the least bit uh, upset with the fact that someone says, "Look, you're wrong. This proves it." Okay, that could be. I'm not. Thank goodness, it's not a salvation issue, right? You know. So. Is it? Is there any anything in the writings of well, the? I haven't Jewish found people, it. Yeah. The the thing is, is you know, it's um, the thing that makes me think the shoulder the Shoham stones on the shoulder 
are the names of his actual sons is because of that phrase, in birth order. Okay? On the other hand, it is true that Jacob adopted Ephraim and Manasseh. And so they then became his sons. So they were the sons of Israel. And wherever it uses the tribes, to me, the tribes are very distinct things. They're, they're, each tribe has its own uh, patriarch, and they know, they know where they camp, they know what their job is, they all, and they all got their own, they end up getting their own specific piece of land. So uh, I think there's a difference between the sons of Israel and the tribes of Israel. Not that it's a big deal, it's just me thinking. That's a dangerous thing. <clears throat> In uh, Revelation, when the uh, the gates, there's the four gates, don't they contain the names of the sons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's even worse, though, because one of them is just flat missing. Oh. If really? I am, yeah, if I, I'm Dan. The, oh, the, I think you're talking about the 144,000. No. But I'm talking about the gates, the gates? and the New Jerusalem. Well. I have not studied that recently, okay. and I forget. I think it's all, I think Dan and Ephraim, or not Dan, but not Ephraim, Dan, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I don't but you're right about the 144,000. Yeah. Dan is excluded. Dan is missing out of that, yeah. There's a lot of stuff to go off and look at those kind of things, but we don't have any trouble having rabbit trails. I shouldn't have introduced one. Yes? With, with all that gold and stuff like that, uh, I wonder what the weight of that. Well, uh, you know, uh, it was probably not un, uh, you know, ridiculously heavy. But on the other hand, I imagine in my mind, it was like a piece of carpet, if you will. You know, it was very tightly woven, very thick. And so it was, it was uh, you know, it was not a, a grease rag. It was something pretty substantial. And it kind of looks that way. That's one of the reasons I like this picture. And I wonder where they get all their gold. Gold has to be mined from the ground. No, so. you, know, you know where they got their gold. When they left Egypt. Well, they, you know, the Pharaoh minded. Where did the Egyptian get it? had to become, I mean, it wasn't just snap your fingers and there it was. No, I had to come no. from someplace. Well, but the Egyptians had many years and lots of, Pharaoh had lots of gold mines, I'm quite sure. Yeah. Go ahead. In verse 15, it says, And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. And that word cunning means conceive, consider, Cunning of a man, work, or workman, devise, esteem, find out, imagine, impute, invent. And everything I've read, read about that word is it's applied to everything about the tabernacle, how it's built, how the whole thing's built, how the furniture's built. That goes back to what was mentioned earlier about nobody can figure out how they work the gold yeah. to do this. What it comes down to is it's saying that these People at that time that were building this had special knowledge. They were extremely gifted and skilled craftsmen yep. that knew things that probably the surrounding lost. tribes didn't yeah. know. Even today, we yeah. don't know. Yeah. And so, what they're saying is, it's doubtful because it implies that the instructions only they would be able to interpret the instructions. It's implying that it's almost like a puzzle. Yeah. that only they can figure out. So in other words, the what we're showing, the images we're showing today, is just poor guesses oh, yeah. it's at just, what's yeah. going on yeah. with how this was built. Oh, yeah. It's not 
It's just a best guess. You know, well, I like mean, I say, last week I mentioned that uh, nobody ever even saw the ark. Right. Right. The only guy that ever saw the ark was the you know was Aaron, because it was covered up when it was moved, and when it wasn't moved, it was back there in this little room, and the only guy that went in there was Aaron. So uh, all of this stuff is it's just best guess. But right. another thing, based on what you were saying, is this is what we're studying here is. Moses receiving the pictures, if you will, from God. In a little while, we go to the part where they actually build this. And, and it says more than once, there are special individuals that God endowed with special talents and creativity to be able to do this. So it wasn't like, you know, go get a couple of seamstresses and have them do this. There are very specific people that God gave the gifts to, to be able to do exactly what you're talking about, things that hadn't been done before. Right. Yep. So that's that. why, to me, the, the typical pictures of the tabernacle they show is I take it with a grain of salt okay. because we don't it, know. To me, it looks like something that a bunch of junior hires at Bible camp would come up with <laughs> to build. Yeah. I mean, it's not complicated. That's yeah. not some kind of puzzle that they yeah. put together. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Yep. <clears throat> Just to dovetail on what Ward said, the first use of this. Mm -hmm. The famous verse, Genesis 15, 6. Yeah, the cunning serpent. No. 15, 6. Okay. And he believed in, in Jehovah, and he counted it to him for righteousness. The counted is this word, uh, kashav, kashav. Which is? With cunning. Cunning, really? I didn't know that. Well, be not Cunning. That cunning kind of has, in English, kind of has a negative connotation. You know, like conspiracy or, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Know. It's a, you know. Sly, evil kind I was of thinking thing. it was the, maybe in the, in the garden, too, where he yeah. was a... That was a Rome. A Rome, a room or something. A room, like yeah. yeah. More like a having a deep insight. Yeah, yeah, deep, deep insight as deep opposed insight to... type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mike's got something. Um, yeah, looking at um, Hashab... For cunning, it would be, my version says skilled. Um, it's the ha, the het, the shin, and the bet. Bet? Bet. Chashab. And it says to think, plan, esteem, calculate. So I could see where, count it for him, yeah. for righteousness. Calculate. Cal for calculate, sure. invent. To make a judgment, imagine to count, to think. Okay. I hmm. wonder what it says to count the stars up in the heavens. Well, you remember when we talked about that story before, we said it was recount. You know, to recount the stars. In other words, recount the story. What do these stars say? Yeah. Oh, actually, uh, I found it in e e Ezekiel. This is at the end. It says, getting back to the tribes. Okay. And these are the exit of the exits of the city, the gates of the city, according to the names of the tribes of Israel. On the north side, 48. On the north side, measuring 4,500 cubits, three gates northward, one gate for Reuben, one gate for Yehuda, one gate for Levi. On the east side, 4,500 cubits, three gates, one gate for Joseph, one gate for Benjamin, one gate for Dan. On the south side, measuring 4,000 cubits, three gates, one gate for Shimon, one gate for Yisachar, one gate for Zebulon. On the west side, 4,500 cubits. But there are three gates, one gate for Gad, one gate for Asher, one for Naphtali. 
So in this case, it's the names of the sons, but it refers to them as the tribes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, like I say, that, that's why I keep saying I'm not going to bat on that. I, I, I think probably next time I do this, I won't mention that one. <clears throat> Let me go on. There's other stuff that we missed down here. We just glossed right over, and you guys, you know, just didn't even have any questions about it. So this thing right here, this little square thing, is called the breastplate. Okay, it's got a Hebrew name that I don't, can't pronounce. But this breastplate has 12 stones in it. Whether they be the tribes or the sons, that's okay. But tell me what size that breastplate is. Okay, I'll give you a hint. It's up there in verse 16. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, mine says, verse 16, it is to be square, and sure enough, it's square. Um, a span long and a span wide folded double. Now, so I, this is important. So a span, here's a span. A span is from here to here. Okay? So it's roughly six inches. So it's, yeah, something like that. Okay? And it's square. What's the folded double thing mean? I'll tell you what it means. It's actually the piece of cloth itself is 12 inches by 6 inches. And it's folded like this. Okay? So there's a seam, if you will, at the bottom. And the reason there's a seam at the bottom, it goes on, it goes on like this so that the seam's at the bottom, is because he keeps a couple of items in there. What are they? The Urim and the Thummim. Yep. And so that's where they go. They go, you can even kind of see it in here. As a matter of fact, this, uh, that's another reason I like this picture. He shows the Urim and the Thummim with this little arrow that goes around and disappears right in there. So this breastplate is kind of a pocket. It's kind of a little, you know, <laughs> man purse, not really. But you get the idea. It's a, it's a thing. And, and on the outside are these 12 stones. And then it goes into great detail, and most people do get lost, but it talks about these gold cords here that come down from these shoulder stones. And so those things hold the top of that breast. Eh, kind of, kind of. But the, I don't know why this fascinates me. The ones that really fascinate me are these blue ones, if I can get my dot back, that go here. There's one here and there's one that you can't see over there. And it says what they're for. It says down there in verse 28, it says, The rings of the breastpiece are to be tied to the rings of the ephod with a blue cord connecting it to the waistband. And that's what that does. So that the breastpiece will not swing out from the ephod. So the idea is, is whenever he's busy doing his thing and he goes to bend over, you don't want this thing flopping out like that. So those blue cords tie it back to the, the thing he's wearing so it doesn't swing out. I just find that detail fascinating. I mean, who would have ever thought of putting that in there? It's hard enough to understand it, but it's pretty interesting that that's, that's, that's in there. So what do you make of this 
Urim and Thummim thing. Has anybody done much of a study on that? <clears throat> Beg your pardon? One of them is light. Yeah. It's o called... Ur, the Urim. Urim. Urim is light, and the other one's perfections. Perfection, right. Perfections and light, which to me don't go together, but that's what, they're, that's what they mean. And there, you can, if you've got some time and you want to, you can mess around on the internet uh, a lot with these things. There's a lot of stuff written about them, but uh, none of it's very, well, none of it can be substantiated. They're mentioned in the Bible well, less than half a dozen times, but they're, the only thing that you can know for sure is they were used by the high priest to get instructions from God. Now, <clears throat> um, I've heard lots of different stories, but one of them is, is that uh, basically the priest could go to God with a, a kind of a, a yes-no question, and one of these items would uh, light up or change color or something, indicating a yes or a no. I've also heard that if you had a question like, which tribe is supposed to you know, do this, then the different lights in the breastplate, those, each one of those lights in the breastplate correspond to a tribe. And so uh, you, the, God would light up one of those gemstones on the breastplate. That one's a little far-fetched. Of course, all of this stuff is, you know, nobody really knows how it worked. Uh, but it was, it, the Urim and the Thummim were used as kind of like lots, if you will, to be able for God to communicate with the high priest. So it's pretty interesting. Any thoughts about any of that? Okay. Let's see what else I want to talk about here. I'm wondering, because uh, I was thinking about in the beginning of Judges where uh, they ask, who shall go up first against the Canaanites to fight against them? doesn't say anything about Urim and Thummim, but it says, and Yahweh said, Yehuda does go. See, I have given the land into his hand. Mm -hmm. So maybe... Something like that. They did yeah, something certainly. like that. There are some places where it talks about, there's a place in, uh, oh, where is it? It's First Samuel, I think, where it says God, God speaks to people, or speaks to his, his, his nation, if you will, with, um, what was it, with dreams and visions, with Urim and Thummim, and with prophets. There's a place where it mentions those three. Yeah. I was just curious. I heard a teaching, I think it was even this morning, and I couldn't quite correlate it, so this is, maybe you can. Um, someone was saying that they didn't really um, think that when Paul was talking about the armor that they were talking about, a Roman armor, although that's what we associated, and was, and was correlating it with... This. Yes. Yes. And so if we can kind of go through that a little bit, mm -hmm. if, if that's something you've looked at too... No, I have not looked at that. I mean, okay. I have glanced over it, but I, we can do it if you want to. Maybe if... Uh, would, would you or someone like to do that and next week we could look at it? I'm happy enough to do that. I just, I don't, I'm not prepared. Right. Yeah. And when I was listening to him, it, it didn't quite fit for me. So then yeah. if someone has something more or better. Mm -hmm. Well, it does talk about the breastplate, and that's the only thing that I can recall. But, of course, when I think of that thing, that passage that Paul wrote, 
the Roman soldiers wore a breastplate. It was, it was more of a, it was more like what you'd call a bulletproof vest today, really. I, I did like, though, that he said that the shield of faith, since it speaks about Yah is our shield, mm -hmm. you know, then um, I like that analogy. Yeah. And um, obviously the word being yeah. the sword. Yeah, I had heard that same teaching, but it's been a few years yeah. where it doesn't, it has no connection with the Roman soldier, yeah. but more about this, uh, this. What, this, because the Hebrews would have understand the correlation. Well, I think they would have understood both, quite frankly, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, what Paul was talking about wasn't the uh, centurion armor, but it was talking about the word of God, mm -hmm. you know, the breastplate of righteousness, with us, the Shua, so on and so forth, all the others. But I believe it's the Word of God and not some... Uh, well, he was making an analogy. He was making an analogy, yeah. yes. That's fine. Yeah. Well, sir, that's a good, good rabbit trail. Okay. Well, let's, let me see if there's another one. Um, oh, John's got something great. So I looked up the place you mentioned in First Samuel. It's about the Urim, First Samuel 28. Oh, you're good. How would you find that? I'm smart. Man, I'm impressed. It's uh, about the witch of Endor. Okay, what does it say? In verse 5, this is First Samuel 28, verse 5. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly stumbled. Verse 6. And when Saul inquired of Jehovah, Jehovah answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Okay. It doesn't mention, it doesn't uh, mention the Thummim. Thummim, but, yeah. but, yeah. but yeah. And there's nothing to conclude that that's the only ways God communicates, but it's interesting that, that the writer of that mentioned those three ways. <clears throat> okay, so we've got... Um, this, you know, the, the pretty um, woven tapestry-like stuff with gold filigree and stones and rare gems and all that stuff kind of uh, talked about. So let's kind of finish up the priestly garments by reading verse 31 through the end of chapter 28. Does someone want to read verse 31 to the end of chapter 28? I will. I don't mind doing it. Joe, do you want to read it, Joe? Uh, we're at verse or chapter twenty-eight. Chapter twenty-eight from verse thirty-one to the end. Go wait. Get the microphone. And uh, and thou shalt make the robe of the ephod, if I ephod ephod all of blue. And it shall have a hole for the head in the midst thereof. It shall have a binding of woven works round about the hole of it, as it were the hole of a coat of mail, that it be not rent. And upon the skirts of it thou shalt make pomegranates of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, round about the skirts thereof, and bells of gold between them between them round about, a golden bell and a pomegranate 
a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the skirts of the robe round about. And this shall be upon Aaron to minister, and the sound thereof shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, that he die not. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, and engrave upon it like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on a thread of blue, and it shall be upon the mart, upon the forefront of the mart it shall be. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear the iniquities in the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow, even all their holy gifts. And it shall always be upon his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. And thou shalt read the tunic and shepherd's work of fine linen, and thou shalt make a mark of fine linen, and thou shalt make a girdle, the work of the weavers in color. And Aaron's son shall make tunics, and thou shalt make for them girdles, and head tars that it, and head tars Move the microphone so you can... Shall thou make for them for splendor and for beauty. And thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother and upon his sons with him, and shall anoint them and concentrate them and sanctify them, that they may be ministers unto me in the priest's office, and cover the flesh of their nakedness from the loin even unto the thigh they shall reach." And they shall be upon Aaron, upon his sons, when they go into the tent a meeting, or when they come near into the altar to minister in the holy place, that they may bear not iniquity and die. It shall be a statue forever unto him and unto his seeds after him. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay, so it, it gets the last, well... There's a couple more articles of clothing. The first one that's mentioned is this uh, blue robe, which is pretty, uh, you know, that's, it's the thing that's underneath both the ephod and the breastplate. Uh, the name for that blue robe is Meel, Meel, M-E-I-L in Hebrew. <clears throat> um, let's see. And what's around the bottom of that robe down here? Well, it says that it's pomegranates and gold uh, bells, right? Now, the pomegranates obviously aren't real pomegranates. What, because um, it says they're made out of uh, cloth. You remember, I don't know, I grew up in New Mexico, and we had a kind of a, oh, there's a, a subculture about these guys that would customize their cars, you know, and they would hang these uh, little cotton things that had little balls down about every inch or two, and they'd hang them around the windshield, you know, and stuff like that. And so whenever they'd drive down the road, they'd sit and wiggle. Um, so that's what I think those are. I think those are the balls. And then there's a gold bell. There's a ball and a gold bell and a ball and a gold bell. Um, and what does it say they're for? It says in verse 34, the gold bells of the pomegranate altar alternate around the hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it when he ministers. The sound of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place before Yahweh and when he comes out. 
so that he will not die. <clears throat> Remember we talked last time about the high priest. There's a legend, and it may be true. I may be wrong to call this just a legend. The high priest would have a rope tied to his ankle so that when he back, went back into the Holy of Holies, if something should happen to him and he die, uh, they could pull him out by the ankle. Well, this lends credence to that whole idea because uh, the people that would be working with Aaron if he were to go back in there where the Holy of Holies is and, and God's presence is in there and something should happen and uh, the, perish the thought, the, the smoke from the incense should clear and uh, the glory of God be so bright that it uh, melts them or whatever, then the noise would quit. And so they would know that they needed to pull him out. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That uh, if you, if all these people around the outside, if they did not hear the bells, yeah. they can just say, hey, he's toast. Yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> again, a, a lot of this is, is supposition, but it, it, uh, it goes along with the story, if you will. Yeah, the facts, I should say. I've heard a teaching that is sort of like, Ringing the doorbell, mm -hmm. you're letting God know that you're you're, you're coming and you're respecting His privacy. You don't just waltz into the yeah. to the uh, holy of holies. Yep, that works. That works. I remember looking at uh, mine and my sister's baby shoes. They had little bells in them, mm -hmm. and and I wondered. Well, what was the purpose of that? And and it really, when you when you're busy doing your housework and stuff, and kids are wandering around, you need to hear them. You you know where they are. If you yeah. if you if the noise stops, yeah. they're up to something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <clears throat> yep. So I think okay. So it doesn't say belt, right? It doesn't in the King James. Sorry, I'm back no, to no, what no, I. No, it doesn't say what <laughs> belt. It says just loins gird about with truth. Okay, we're... And so how... Good tight end, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> so then the linen and the... Um, so it sounds like actually the linen portion... Uh, at first I was thinking it was the, you know, the tunic portion, but it sounds like it's the... When you're saying getting dragged out and everything, um, it says, right, we just read that it said to make sure that the nakedness is not mm -hmm. exposed. Mm -hmm. So then the linen under it is what's girding about yes. with truth yes. then, instead of it's being a belt, which is what the visual that we've been well, taught, maybe? Well, maybe. There are two things, though. There, one thing, this thing here is, uh, this. I think this is different than the, um, what I would call the underpants. Well, let me see if I can find it. Because says. it says, because when I looked up loins, it was also saying that it it's more than just the private parts, which is what I've been more taught that that was what it is. But the loins is talking more about the back or the whole body, well, which is here, which is it, here. But covered, it specifically right? said the waist to the thigh, didn't it? Let me find that. to make turban of fine linen sash to be in the work of embroidery make tunics, sashes, headbands for Aaron's sons. Put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his
42. Make linen undergarments. That's what I'm looking for. Make linen undergarments as a covering for the body, reaching from the waist to the thigh. Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they will not incur guilt and die. Now this ties in with why the altar, uh, the sacrificial altar, the burnt offering altar, has a ramp to it. It says the same thing. God said, if, we go back, if you can go back and find this, it's right at the end of the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments, and then right there at the end, there's a little thing about, when you build my altar, don't have steps that go up to it. Because if you have steps, then you might expose your nakedness. So I want a ramp. And I think it's the same thing. It's, I mean, I hate to put it this way, but it's like God's got a big thing about modesty. And he, he wants, you know, he wants, he wants your private parts covered up. And, and so this one now, when I put loin, mm -hmm. to, on the loins, it said the hip, reproductive area. And so this is the one in Ephesians. So I think when I tapped on it, I'll go back and look. It was the one in Exodus then. So, but it sounds like, it's a lot broader than a belt, right? Yes. It's just, oh, yes. It's definitely. Yes. And so then maybe we've been given this imagery of the armor, but when, so when I, I'll go and look into it deeper than just what Strong's is saying here, mm -hmm. but then it, it does completely, since it's spiritual warfare, change our thinking if, if we're being girded with the head covering of salvation and this yep. breastplate. Oh, yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's different. <clears throat> Let's talk about the head covering for a minute. That thing up there, um, some, some translations call it a turban, and there's a gold thing that goes around the front of it. As they, it talks about having a chain on it, and it's got something written on it. Do you remember what it is? It says there. Kadesh Layawi. Yeah, it says Kadesh to yeah, yeah lies to it's it's yeah. va, va Yahweh, so Yahweh. Kadesh to Yahweh, yeah, holy to God. It says a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, holy to Yahweh. Fasten a blue cord on it and attach it to the turban. So that would be the helmet of salvation in that model that you were talking about. It's verse uh, yeah thirty six. Verse 36. Yeah, that would be the name of salvation for, uh, mm -hmm. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Good. Well. And so then the signet that stamps it or engraves it, it says, that's mm -hmm. the authority then. Right? So the signet, the signet ring taken and then made the engraving is what it said. Oh. Is that, is that have I, to do I, with that? I, you could be right. I think I th the vision I get is that the stones have been cut and polished, and they have engraved the names of the tribes in that. So I don't know that that's a, quite a signet ring, but it, would, it could function that way. But that's, uh, at least that's what it says in the King James. It, Which so, verse? So I was noticing that in, what is that? Yeah. It says the stones glasses. are engraved. <laughs> it says that, <clears throat> um, and thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and engrave it ah. uh, like the gravings of a signet, holy to, holiness to Yahuwah. Yeah, 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 I think you're right. I think you're right. That's verse 36 again. 
Mine says engrave on it as on a seal. Which is that? That's a signet too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 You're right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Moving right along. Um, Chapter 29. Now chapter 29 is kind of a uh, foreshadowing of things to come. But it's here. We should read it and study it. Let's see how far we want to go. Just read the first nine verses. Somebody want to read just the first nine verses of chapter 29? And this is the task you shall do to them to set them apart to serve me as priests. Take one young bull, two rams, perfect ones, and unleavened bread and unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Make these of wheat flour, and you shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket along with the bull and the two rams, and you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tent of the appointment and wash them with water, and you shall take the garments and you shall put on Aaron the long shirt and the robe of the shoulder garment and the shoulder garment and the breastplate and the, uh, sorry, and shall gird him with the embroidered band of the shoulder garment and shall put the turban on his head and shall put the set apart sign of dedication on the turban and shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. And then you shall bring his sons and put long shirts on them, and they shall gird them with girdles, and Aaron and his sons, and the put and put the turbans on them, and the priesthood shall be theirs for everlasting law. Uh, okay. So you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Thank you. Sorry, I had to off and do something there. Um, Sorry, sniffling allergies. You did great. That's all right. Um, So what this is explaining, it explains what God says he wants Aaron to do to consecrate, uh, what he wants Moses to do, to consecrate Aaron and his sons as priests. So what's the word consecrate mean? Set apart. It means to set apart for use by God. So Moses is required to consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. The thing that's interesting about this is we will see this process. It only happens once, but it'll be described three completely separate times in the rest of the Torah. And it's very interesting. This, this is a pretty, pretty interesting process, and maybe we can get some new insight from it. It was just, it was just recently within the past couple of years that I realized that we've been looking, you know, it, it appears... I think once at the end of Exodus, it appears once in Leviticus, and it appears in Numbers. All three of those books have got this process, and we'll, they, they each describe it a little bit differently, but I think it'll be a fun thing to camp on for a while. Joe. 
Uh, going back to when we were talking <coughs> about uh, pure oil, I noticing in uh, uh, there's two different oils mentioned in the first nine verses. One is for the cooking and making the unleavened bread and cake mingled with oil and wafers. Uh, unleavened spread with oil, fine wheatened flour, that will make them. And then down here, uh, further down the road here, it says, uh, verse 7, Thou shalt take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. Mm -hmm. So evidently there's two different types of oils. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, there's probably more than two types. It would be the... Uh, the menorah oil was very, very specific. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. Described, um, I don't know where, here, somewhere. Yeah. Um, and um, anointing oil and is the anoint one. that would be the anointing oil would be also specific, but is it's, it? it's yeah, it's it's for a very specific purpose. It's used to consecrate. It's to you know to right. anoint something for use by God. Yeah. And then the third one I think you Is would have mentioned cook, was cooking oil. Cooking oil, yeah. yeah. Cooking olive oil, not soy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So <clears throat> can anybody kind of summarize this this first ten verses and you know, tell me what's really being said here? What what's this process look like? Well, I'll I'll start you out. First of all, oh go ahead, Ken. They're pretty much preparing to minister. Yes. But so they're getting all of the items ready for, yeah, but, for ministering. Yep, that's right. But talk about them. What, what, what items are, are used? The, the breads and uh, the clothing, um, as well as the ritual cleansing with the, uh, the washing with the water. Yep. Um, and yeah. don't forget the bull and two rams. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the animals for sacrifice. Yeah. 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 So this is the process that, like I say, God is telling Moses to carry out. What he says is get a bowl and two rams without defect. Get this, these cakes and the bread and all the rest of this stuff. And get Aaron and his sons up here. Wash them. Make sure they're clean. Dress them in these brand new clean garments that I've just described that you just had made. And then we'll go on. Because that's, that's you know, he's saying, okay, this is the beginning of the process. So Aaron and his sons would all be, um, like I say, cleansed. Uh, and dressed in, in these brand new clothes and have oil poured on their heads. Yeah. It looks like, too, there's um, three different types of bread that was prepared. Yep, yep. There's the unleavened, the unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and then the unleavened uh, wafers. Yep. Bread, cakes, and wafers. It does. I don't know what that really means, but that's certainly what it says. Go, go ahead. What? He's not done yet. He has a second thought. Uh, the wafers kind of lead towards um, uh, what we would use uh, in like Passover kind of. Uh, yep. And what's different from the wafers and the rest of them is they're the ones that are striped and pierced, which is kind of foreshadowing yep. to Yeshua. That could be. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Margaret's got something. Mm. <clears throat> never, never noticed this. It says, an 11 bread... And cakes unleavened, tempered with oil. Tempered with oil, does that mean? Uh, cooked, I think. Cooked or uh, probably cooked into it. Yes. Into it. Yes. And then anointed would just be on top. Yes. Could be like a donut. 
Um, no, 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 that no. would be leavened. Never mind. Well, that would be fried, and you yeah, don't want to yeah. fry it. You want to yeah, yeah. bake it. Yes, okay. Um, but to what Kenny said, when I make an unleavened bread, and this, it was after several Passovers that I observed that I realized it required the oil, because that pretty much represents Yahweh's name. Okay. Shem is the name. Yeah. And, and Shemim, I think, is the oil. Shemim? Shemim? Uh, you could be right. I don't know that, but I believe that. Is it? Yeah. yeah, Shemim is the oil. Yeah, Shemim is the oil. Good. And then And then the salt, because he was the original salt. That, yes. And so... Um, That's a good one. Um, but I had never seen this wafers, yeah. if that's different, if that's just like... Matzah is what Ken was saying. Like yeah. matzos. Well, yeah. yeah. And so I have a problem with matzos because there's no oil in them. Yeah. And they're mass produced. Well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> with the wafers, though, it doesn't say to cook it in it. It says to anoint put them, them yeah, with to, oil. Well, yeah, put it on it. Yeah. That's what that looks like. Yeah. That'd be like butter on a. Yeah. So it, it defines tempered as anointed uh -huh. or mixed, right? Uh -huh. And then the anointed is anointed or smeared. Uh -huh. Just uh -huh. maybe a... Yep, yep. Joe. Yeah, keeping uh, about oils, I think there's a healing prophet, uh, prophet in oils and olive, olive oils. And uh, because I have a book that's uh, called uh, The Biblical Oils of the Bible. Yeah. And uh, it's like the, the oil that uh, this woman in the New Testament anointed the feet of Yeshua. And I was an anointing in oil. Then the other oils that were like this here pulled over the head yeah. and let it dripple down. And then, uh, like we said a while ago, there was the cooking oil with the unleavened bread. Yeah. So there's two different types of oil, but yet the oil has a uh, helpful... Sure thing about it. Sure. Yep. John, did you have something? Well, I just want to say in, in the Hebrew, it's oil, shemen, like Margaret uh, uh, was saying, saying. Mm -hmm. and the, the anointing, hamashicha. So oh, very close to hamashiach. No kidding. Yeah. That's very interesting. That's, well, that makes sense when you think about it, because mashiach means the anointed one. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yes. So I have a question. What really? was the purpose of the salt? Well, <clears throat> there's a thing about a salt covenant that we'll read about. Where is that? Um, what the, uh, it's it was a it was used for a specific. Maybe it was all covenants use salt, but I I've forgotten that all. No, it's not in this chapter. It's later, a salt covenant. But, but are they, do they mention salt? Not in this, not in no, this, not chapter. In this okay. particular chapter. But uh, there, the place where it does talk about that says that it's used in everything. And there's a verse in uh, the New Testament where it's told that we're the salt of the earth. Yep. And there is a... Uh, uh, Salt, you know, is a purifying thing. It kind of preserves yep. uh, whatever it is. 
Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Let's move on. This is, we don't have enough time to finish this, but I want to read a little bit just to get you thinking. Because, uh, again, this is quite a process. We're going we're gonna to dissect this 14 times before we're done here. Well, not really 14, but several. So the first thing that happens is God tells Moses, you get all this stuff together because we're going to go through a consecration process to consecrate the priests. When you consecrate priests, another name for that is ordination. Okay, But I want to read a little, so I'll read another paragraph or two, but we're going to come back next week and go over it in detail. Okay, So let me start in chapter, uh, verse, chapter 29, verse 10. So you remember he was to bring three animals, a bull and two rams. So he says, bring the bull to the front of the tent of meeting, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on its head, slaughter it in Yahweh's presence at the entrance to the tent of meeting, Take some of the bull's blood and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour out the rest at the base of the altar. Then take all the fat around the inner parts, the covering of the liver and both kidneys with the fat on them and burn them on the altar. But burn the bull's flesh and its hides, hide and its offal outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Then it says, take one of the rams. And Aaron and his son shall lay their head on its head. And I'm going to skip down. Verse 19 says, Then take the other ram. And Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on its head. And then um, I'll, I'll quit there because this thing goes along clear to you know, verse 46. But the point I wanted to make here is these, this is the first time we see the detail involved in these animal sacrifices. And it's... It's a forerunner, and it's to get us used to looking at it in detail because Leviticus is full of it, right? And these, the, they named it, you know, they called the first one, what did it say? That first one with the bull. It is a sin offering. So all of these offerings have a name. This first one, the bull, is a sin offering. And what it's for, it's, it's to atone for the sin of Aaron and his sons. That's what it's for. But we'll talk more about that. Go ahead, Ken. What's uh, interesting <clears throat> with the sinner offering is that it's taken outside of the camp uh-huh. uh, and burned. And, you know, when you kind of pair it with what happened with Yeshua, he yep. was taken outside of the camp and, yep. and put on the stake. Yep. And, so and he was the, the sin, sin offering. offering. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yep. It's kind of foreshadowing. It's pretty yep. awesome. Yep, it is. And, you know, Mark, or John's got something. So in verse 9, going back a little bit, everybody was going forward, so I decided to go back a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. It talks about the priest office. Mm -hmm. The literal Hebrew word is kahuna. I remember that, yeah. (laughs) Kahuna. He takes up the big, he's the big kahuna. Big kahuna, yeah. Okay, I think I'm going to quit a little early. I'm fading. So, um, but go home, honestly, go home and finish reading verse, or chapter 29, and look at that stuff. And, and the thing that I found out about this, and it's especially true in Leviticus, you, sing, you read it and you feel like, well, this is repetitive. I just read this in the previous paragraph, but it's different. Each one of these is different. Each one of these serves a different purpose, and all of it has to be put together in order to consecrate the priests so that they can perform their function. So it's really pretty pretty intricate. It's, uh, it, to me, it gives me a, a 
better appreciation of the, uh, of the fact that this is definitely God that did this. What, we got another question back there? The peanut gallery has something to say? No. Oh. Oh, Joe raised his hand. You made us go get the mic out, boy. Yeah, I just, aren't you glad that we don't have to do it today like they did back in the Old Testament? Because in the book of Hebrew, in the New Testament, it says there's no sacrifice like uh, what they were doing back in the old uh, mm-hmm. in the, the Old Testament. Yes, I've got boy, I've, I'm I'm still wrestling with that one in my head. But John's got something. Oh, yes, about our plans for tomorrow. Thank you. That's tomorrow. Tomorrow evening begins Purim. Okay, tomorrow evening begins Purim. We're having at 6 o'clock, we're having a kind of a uh, low-key dinner, as near as I can tell. I might be wrong on this, but uh, if you, and, and we're going to have a movie. Uh, I think Mark will probably talk a little about Purim. Purim is not, uh, the way I always tell people, Purim is not one of the big seven, you know. The big seven are the uh, feast days that are def- defined in Leviticus. Purim is based entirely on the book of Esther. The story is really a good story, and I'm but it never hurts to look at that story again because there's a lot that you can learn from it. I think one of the things I like most about the book of Esther is it shows God's got a real great sense of humor to me. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so we're going to have dinner, I think, at 6-ish. And again, low-key, if you wanted to bring... Uh, I don't know, sandwich meat or loaf of bread or potato chips or something like that. We're going to have something something simple. Now, I'm making this up. It could be that somebody said, no, 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 that's not what it's really going to be. But I don't have any information. I, I think I'm right. So anyway, bring some stuff to share or not, and we'll have that. And then we'll make popcorn and watch a movie. It's called Esther. Anything else? Any other thoughts before we close? Big pardon? The mic's gone, so you can't have any other thoughts. Since Thanks for coming. I appreciate your willingness to get involved with the discussion. This really is pretty fascinating. I mean, you know, you kind of think, well, how, how much detail can you get? But man, I'm, you guys always challenge me. So let me close in prayer. Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you again for your Torah. Thank you for some of these uh, passages that are Uh, I don't know, at first glance, maybe not all that exciting, but thank you that you put things in there for us to discover. Uh, I ask that you help us to just kind of think on these things as we go through the coming week. Uh, Keep us safe. Help us enjoy Purim tomorrow evening. And uh, just thanks for loving us. In Yahushua's name, amen. Okay, thanks very much, and we'll see you guys soon.